Welcome to day 79 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with Cindy Kemp and uh, David Keefe. Hey guys. We are continuing our journey through the book of Acts and uh, it has been a really fun week as uh, we move from one event to another, from one city to another, God using Paul and his companions in miraculous ways. The gospel is making inroads uh, in so many different parts of uh, the world. Uh, we've seen, you know, the Holy Spirit prevent Paul from going one place and calling him to another place. Mm-hmm. And in every every instance, God's leadership in His hands or in the work that is being done, and it's it's absolutely fun to read it. And it makes your heart long, you know, to see the gospel at work in our hearts and lives. Mm-hmm. So you hear hear familiar names. You know, the cities we're talking about. A lot of them have um, their names on letters written by Paul. So we come to Thessalonica today, but before we do, let's offer ourselves in this moment uh, to the Lord. David, do you mind lifting us up? No, let's pray. And Father, as always, we do thank you so much for time together in your word. Um, We thank you for the means by which we can read your word together as a church, and then we can discuss it together as a staff team. And so as we look to the word, may you shape us. May you show us Jesus. May you um, open our eyes to see the wonder uh, of the gospel spreading to men and to women. And we thank you so much for the faithful witness um, of Paul and of his companions as they took the gospel to difficult places. And may we be encouraged to do the same as well. And pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 17, verse 1. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three days, Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. They made Jason and the others post bond, and they let them go. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowd and stirring them up. Believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. And while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks as well in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. 
A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them said, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to the meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we'd like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your object of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice, by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear more, uh, we want to hear you again on this subject. That Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. So we have Paul in the cultural center, center of the ancient world mm-hmm. in the city of Athens, Greece. Even as the Romans conquered uh, Greece, uh, they retained Greek culture. It was such a gift to, you know, to the world and such a unifying purpose to the world. So this is also mm-hmm. uh, the center of you know, democracy. This is where you know, democracy began. I love uh, Luke's description. He said these people just sit around. They had nothing else to do except for talk about the latest ideas <laughs> every day at, at all night. But you do see, you know, a group of people, some somewhat sophisticated and some not very sophisticated, coming together and trying to figure life out. Epicureans, you know, or mm-hmm. let's eat, drink, and be merry. Uh, Stoics, you know, let's deny ourselves, you know, of mm-hmm. all good things and. Uh, Many people thinking that Paul is nothing more than a babbler, yeah. which is the worst thing you could say, you know, in a philosophical city. All that guy is doing is just kind of babbling on and on. Uh, and so it's been an interesting, um, been an interesting, uh, in a kind of chapter. We start in Thessalonica and Berea. What are some of the things that stand out as you guys look at this passage? You know, one of the things that I love about Paul and. You know, he kind of just has a seem seems to just have this attitude of like nothing can get him down. You know, just the ins and the outs of his travels, and almost every time he goes, he's in Thessalonica, then Berea, and then in Athens. You know, he he goes and proclaims the gospel, and it's always mixed. With, it always met with mixed results. You know, not everyone believes, but some people sneer at him. Some people believe in the gospel and they want to know more. 
And I think that's so encouraging for us to consider, you know, when we go around proclaiming the gospel and speaking mm-hmm. of Christ, it's not always going to be that everyone mm-hmm. believes in Christ. Some people will sneer at us. Some people will maybe want to know more. Some will maybe get really angry at us as, as we see here. But I love that Paul is proclaiming the gospel. And, and that's convicting to me because he doesn't just go into towns and, and smile and be friendly for months and months and months. And then people finally, well, why are you so happy, Paul? But he goes in, you know, proclaiming the gospel. He's obviously demonstrating it as well. Yeah. But proclaiming it is one of the key things he's doing. And, and we often, I think sometimes I try to demonstrate it more than proclaim it. But I'm seeing Paul come in mm-hmm. and be very quick to identify with Christ. No, we need to be willing to, you know, to live the gospel and to speak of the gospel that we live you know, with, with mm-hmm. great, you know, with great passion. And we do see that, you know, when he moves into Athens, he's not just going to the synagogue, he's going to the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And in the marketplace, he's talking just to anyone who would yeah. listen, hey. uh, which is, you know, kind of, a, you yeah. know, kind of interesting. And so when then we see him in the Areopagus. So anywhere, you know, that he has an audience, he's talking about, you know, this Christ mm-hmm. who got God is appointed to judge the living and dead and has proved this by raising him from the mm-hmm. dead. And, and so it's, you know, it, it's quite interesting, you know, when you see that. It, it's funny because, I mean, his message never changes, but um, the, the audience changes. And it even kind of reminds me of where Paul would say, I've become all things to all men so that I might win some. You know, his message never changes, but he really fits in with so many different, I, I wouldn't even say fits in, but he goes to, to so many different Well, people. he's able to meet people where they are, yeah. you know, with the gospel. So when he uh, when he talks in a Jewish synagogue, he is proving from scripture mm-hmm. that Jesus must suffer and uh, be raised from the dead and that uh, Jesus is the Messiah. When he goes to the Areopagus, he, he moves, you know, not from Scripture. His point of proof is not Scripture, but his point yeah. of proof is creation. God has made you. He has set your boundaries. He's placed you in time exactly where you are. He's provided you with good things in him. You live and move and have your being. He's done all of this so that you might look to him and reach out and find him. And he's not very far from any one of you, mm-hmm. you know, which is a fantastic, you know, fantastic a presentation but in the past he's overlooked ignorance now he commands mm-hmm. all people to repent yeah. mm-hmm. and he will judge us with justice and again that's a, a theme that's very near to the part of you know heart of god how well we have stewarded the gifts that he has given us for the benefit of others and for his glory we must give an account to him mm-hmm and I love as well getting to see the the Berean Jews who are, I guess, a more noble character, <laughs> um, not like the the bad the characters we had in Thessalonica, right? <laughs> well, the, the, I just think like some bad hombres are coming after him. Like, it's the phrase. Well, in my well head. no, you 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 remember. Let's stay in context. You remember <laughs> that uh, they uh, they they're the ones who sneered at him, and they're yeah. the ones who uh, you know went uh, and gathered some bad characters yeah. from you know, the marketplace, <laughs> and you know kind of started a riot. Yeah. Uh, in Berea, they were willing to hear the message, and they were not only willing to hear the message, they were willing to uh, search the scriptures. Yeah, I love that. And mm-hmm. see, That's so cool. See what is true, to be deeply grounded in scripture. And of course, they, they set a pattern, you know, for us. Mm. And, and the pattern is to be constantly, you know, hearing the gospel and filtering, uh, you know, the messages that we were receiving through scripture and to become rich, you know, more richly engaged with the story and the truth of the story. 
Uh, to, to you know, as you were saying a while ago, we're compelled to talk about it, and we yeah. deeply uh, demonstrate, you know, the grace of the gospel and how we live. And, you know, see and, both of and I love how it says in verse 12, you know, as a, as a result of them mm-hmm. going to the scriptures and examining the things, Paul was saying mm-hmm. they believed, right. you know, and, and when our beliefs are, even our initial belief in Christ and our ongoing belief in Christ, it's mm-hmm. found in going to the scriptures. And as a result of that, we are strengthened to believe again in the gospel message. Mm-hmm. And you have to love receive the message with great e- eagerness yeah isn't that cool yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that is true i thought it was kind of interesting um i'm guessing in athens he's speaking to a very um i don't know if these were educated people but they thought highly of their intellect here right um and then in verse 30 he said in the past god overlooks such ignorance but now commands all people everywhere to repent and i kind of thought you know, was that flying in the face, in their yeah, face? There, there's, as far as there's no doubt that there's a couple little snags here yeah. in Paul's message. Uh, one, when he says, "I see that you're very religious," that that at first sounds you know kind of like a compliment, but it it really has the sense of I, I see that you're you're very superstitious. Mm-hmm. You, you have a number, you know, of gods, and you're worshiping all kinds of different gods in all kinds of different ways. And, and yet there's the one, you know, that you've left out and what you are, are you know, worshiping in ignorance. Mm-hmm. I am here to proclaim to you. Uh, okay. And then God is also calling you from your ignorance. You know, God has allowed ignorance in the past, but now he's calling, you know, for everybody, you know, to repent. So there is there is an edge, you know, there is a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we can uh, we can kind of make this, you know, sound a little soft and gentle, but uh, there is an edge to his message mm-hmm. uh, when you call, you know, these people who do nothing but discuss the latest ideas that all your ideas are bad, and that is what he's saying, and all your all your devotion is misplaced. Mm-hmm. I think at times when we kind of see that initial. Um, way that Luke describes, you know, the city of Athens, that the city, you know, was full of, of idols. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of think, well, I mean, man, what a, what a crazy city to live in, a city full of idols. That'd, that'd be crazy to live in a city like that, mm-hmm. um, where it's just so apparent that there's idols everywhere. But yeah. we live in a city just like that as well. No. And uh, mm-hmm. we have all those comforts we go to, all those things we trust in, all those things we love and worship that aren't Christ. And they're all around us as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, something, again, to consider, you know, where, where, where our hearts are and where our worship is going, mm-hmm. you know. Um, is it to Christ or is it to these other things? No, yeah. you know, Calvin, you know, John Calvin said our hearts uh, are idle factories. Mm-hmm. Uh, we look for something to attach ourselves to and to find mm-hmm. our significance in. And sometimes, you know, it's the things that we own, the things that are in our garages, the experiences we've had, the vacations you know that we post on instagrams the really cool you know food that we eat and there are all kinds of things that uh our affections are deeply stirred for Mm -hmm. and and sometimes you know misplacing our affections in so many different you know small things which we should receive with thanksgiving by the way it robs us of the even greater affection you know that we should have for the christ of the gospel and the father who sent him in the spirit who draws us to him uh, so a lot of times, every city is a city full of idols because every heart mm-hmm. is a heart that gives its affections away to things less than your heart was created for. Mm-hmm. Mm. Fun passage. Yeah. 
Father, thank you so much uh, for the testimony of the gospel. Thank you that it speaks to our superstitions and our ignorance, and it commands us to repent. We thank you that you have assigned our time and assigned our place so that we might know you and reach out and touch you and that you are very near uh, to every one of us. And you, we, we live and move and have our being in Christ Jesus. We've been redeemed, restored, and renewed in the grace you have given us. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. <laughs>